from the heart of Dubai, where tomorrow is being built today to the world. Welcome to the CTO Show with Mehmet. Here, we redefine technology and reimagine possibilities. With Mehmet, delve into the riveting realms of AI, cybersecurity, and digital technology. Experience the thrilling highs and lows of startups. Immerse yourself in the spirit of entrepreneurship and witness the future of business innovation being written in real time. Now, without further ado, let's tune in and explore the future. Hello, welcome back to a new episode of the CTO Show with Mehmet. Today, I'm very pleased to have with me Andrew, joining me from Chicago in the U.S. Andrew, thank you very much for being with me on the show today. Although like your title is something we start to see more in, in, in the field, fractional, fractional CMO, fractional CTO. But before we go into this, if you can just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what you do. Sure, and thank you for having me on the show, uh, Mahmoud. Uh, so I've been doing marketing for 15 years. My last uh, full-time role, I was a CMO at a Series B tech company. Uh, and currently, I'm a business uh, growth consultant where I work with uh, business owners, um, CEOs, founders to help them uh, drive growth in their business. Yeah, that's great. Now, the first thing, um, you know, when I was preparing, Andrew, is like you have like a, a you know different journey, I would say, because you started actually from a tech background. So and then, you know. Uh, you started to be a marketing manager, then a CMO, and now a consultant. Can you walk us through, you know, this journey? Sure. So, so growing up, I was very good at math. I was very logical. So uh, I ended up studying computer science in college, uh, really enjoyed that, and then worked in tech uh, for two years in the early 2000s. Around that time, I came across uh, online marketing because back then there was no social media. I was just starting out. Uh, and all marketing was, was, you know, websites, email, SEO, those, you know, and, and, and display advertising. Those, that was what all marketing was. Uh, it was intriguing for me because, you know, tech, at least what I did in tech, which was a lot more programming, it felt like I'm communicating with a machine a lot more. Marketing mm -hmm. is communicating and influencing people. Um, so that appealed to me in, you know, in marketing. Um, and funny enough, I couldn't really get a marketing job back then. So I started sort of doing marketing on my own for a few years just to learn it um, and, and things like that. So that was, um, you know, I learned a lot of things there. That's that's cool. Now, um, currently, what kind of companies do you consult for, uh, Andrew? And what do you focus on this in this consulting? Sure. So I typically consult for like I'd call them growth uh, stage companies. So, you know, they're anywhere from 50, 100 employees. As far as revenue, maybe like their 5 million revenue if they're profitable, 10 million if they're VC or PE backed. Um, and, and, you know, they have some product market fit and they're just look, looking to grow faster and, and in a more sustainable way. And that's what I help with. Um, so I usually create marketing programs. I coordinate with the sales team. My focus is not just to generate leads for them, but to also ensure that those are, are converting into actual uh, deals and, and and hopefully customers for them. Uh, as far as the types of companies, it, they tend to be more technology companies, so ad tech mm -hmm. uh, companies. Um, I've also worked in like supply chain and logistics technology uh, companies a lot. Chicago is is a hub for logistics and and supply chain. 
um, MarTech companies as well, and also sales uh, sales tech companies. Okay, that's great to know. Now, you have you know like uh, led the growth in multiple companies, you know, from Series A to E stages uh, at multiple startups. What are like some? Of course, we we can talk for hours maybe about this, but on a high level. If you can share with our audience some strategies that you implemented to achieve these successes with these startups. Sure. So, I, and I'll tell you, you know, I'll tell you kind of a, some of my favorites right now. So I think, yeah. you know, in, in 2021, there was a lot of money, you know, flowing around, a lot of investors, you know, investing. So it was easy to do a lot more like paid media and that worked well, but you know, end of 2022 and now in 2023, you know, a lot of companies are trying to grow, but they have to watch their customer acquisition costs and do it sustainably. Um, so a lot of my my strategies are a mix of like brand building and and, and creating demand. Um, so like one of my, you know, favorite ones, for example, is like cold email outreach, mm-hmm. um, which is cheap, easy to execute, but you have to do it in a way where you're adding value, not just like, you know, pitching you know, just sending uh, sales pitches. Um, cause, cause if you do it, you're just going to get blocked. So, so that's one, um, I like to also work with founders on, on building their personal brands. Cause the bigger the brand they have, the more they can just charge for the same product or service, you know, that they're selling. Um, and then I like to also do things like partner marketing where I, you know, help the companies mm-hmm. I work with partner with other companies who are not direct competitors but go after the same audience that creates a lot of efficiencies and helps both companies uh, grow. Yeah, that's great. Andrew, just out of curiosity, you mentioned something about outreaching, I mean, called uh, email. And you just then said that you help founders and even the companies to build their brand. How much in these days, this is important um, to, to really start to get inbound leads as well. So, yeah, so it's very important because the inbound leads, um, they tend to be the highest quality. They're going to close the fastest. And especially if you're selling something more high end, like whether it's high end consulting, a high end service or a more expensive product, uh, the inbounds are end up even being like a higher lifetime value customers. Uh, but to get inbound, you, you know, it takes time, right? So like think about and I like to use the example of like buying a car because it's a big purchase. Think about like how many, you know, touch points, brand impressions, conversations, research someone does before they decide like what kind of a car they're going to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's the same with, you know, marketing. Like if you're selling, especially something high end, um, there's a lot of touches. Uh, so you have to kind of be proactive about it. So, so that's why like, you know, even things like building a personal brand as a founder, you know, make it so that you can easily get in touch with the right people that you're trying to sell to. Um, just because of your brand, they'll see you as, as an authority. They'll want to talk to you. They'll want to be in your network. So it just creates a, a lot of opportunities for you futuristically. Uh, and it helps you, you know, sort of sell um, a lot easier. Uh-huh. Okay. That's, that's good to hear. Now, if you can walk me, Andrew, like when you work with a founder or anyone like who want to work on their brand from personal perspective, and I'm asking this question because maybe if a founder today is listening or watching this episode, like what are the key elements that they need to focus on when they start this journey of building their own uh, personal brand? 
I think one of the advantages founders have is that they have a founder story. So there is a reason that, you know, they, they wanted to build their company. Maybe it's something they're passionate about. Maybe, you know, some of them, some of the most successful founders actually could never get a full-time job and they ended up building their company because of that. Um, so whatever the story is, I help them actually, you know, create their founder story. And it's not that I'm, you know, making anything up. I'm just help them tell it in a way that's like emotional so that when someone hears it, they remember it and it provokes some kind of emotion in them. Uh, I'm trying to also have them tell it in a way that puts them in the best light uh, and also put it in a way where they somehow still touch on what it is that their company does or offers uh, to customers. So, so working with them on their founder story and how to tell it uh, works pretty well because then they can take that story, they can tell it on LinkedIn, they can tell it in, on podcasts or in interviews. And, and it just, it just makes them a lot more memorable than a founder, you know, versus just another like company name or, 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 or you know, something that a, that a prospect heard of. Yeah. So, and we are seeing now, I think podcasting becoming one of the main, um, I would say marketing for both personal and uh, even uh, enterprise brands. Now, Andrew, regarding what you mentioned previously, does it apply for B2B and B2C, you know, startups or is there a different marketing formula now of course i know the answer but i want you to like shed some light on 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 this part so yeah so so to be uh to be fair with you like most of my the last seven years has been on the b2b side for me before that i did some b2c i think in b2c um, a lot of the branding is based on like working with influencers working with you know even like mini celebrities in your space and that works pretty well. So you don't necessarily need a person to be the face of the brand, although you could. Like a great example of that is like Michael Jordan and, and you know, his shoes. Yep. However, in, in, in B2B, the personal brand matters a lot more because to be fair, you know, a lot of B2B companies, you know, they do great work, but they're kind of boring. Like, <laughs> you know, like if you're an accounting software, you know, great, and I'm sure you offer value, but if you tell me the story of why you started your accounting software company in the first place, difficulties you've overcome and lessons you've learned, like I'm way more interested in that first. And then I'll want to hear about your software. So, so I think that's why in B2B, it, you know, it, it, it matters even more. Do you think like ever we will, we will, you know, make it more, I would say, because it's rigid that as, as you said, like B2B, whether it's from sales, marketing, it's, it's really rigid. Sometimes, yeah, like I've seen, I've seen, you know, I worked in, in in these companies as well myself from consultant perspective, and I I always wondered, would we ever have a product? I don't know what's this product yet that really could be marketed the same way that we market, for example, a a shoe or I don't know, maybe a mobile phone if we want to, to stay relevant to tech. Like, what do you think? Like, should, could we see a brand that can do this? You, you can there are, you can see it, but it's, it's more rare, right? So that's why even when it happens, you know, people um, remember it a lot more. So that there's one like, you know, small company that comes to mind. They're, they're tiny. So I, I, you know, people outside of marketing and sales probably have never heard of them. They're called Lavender and they're an email outreach tool. Um, and they created this character. His name is Lavender Joe. And they make these, you know, video clips. They're pretty popular on LinkedIn of Lavender Joe showing up with his like neon green suit, just annoying people, you know, to kind of emulate like, you know, when, when a CEO gets a sales pitch and, and it's annoying. 
um, and 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 they have a, actually play a character to show like how not to do cold email, uh, and I think it works pretty well for them. In fact, a lot more people know who Lavender Joe is, um, so that works pretty well. But but it's a very strategic approach that they took there. But they approached it almost like a B two C brand where they realized, hey, you know, we need a character, almost like a Disney. You know, like we need a character. Everything's going to be around the character, and then we're going to you know introduce the product. Yeah, that's cool. Cool idea because you know always I wonder why. At least in tech, we know some brands that really they did cool stuff. Maybe it's not like funny, but I mean, uh, I'm I'm a fan and I'm biased. I'm fan of Apple products, for example, and I like the way they do marketing. You know, um, and I always wondered because I work in B two B all my career. I mean, from from consultant perspective, and I always say why no one can come. But yeah, let it's I think that the nature of, of the business itself and businesses like they are taken more seriously, I would say. Um, now, when it comes to startups and, and small businesses, uh, Andrew, um, what are, you know, like the main trends you are seeing dominating from marketing perspective? Like what, where everyone would be going in their strategies in the near future? Sure. I, I think the biggest trend right now is, is is obviously like how can you use AI to make marketing more efficient? And, you know, it's impacting marketing, sales and customer success. I've been monitoring it more on the marketing side. So questions like, hey, so, you know, with these AI tools, for example, can you have a smaller marketing workforce um, and still produce the same results? Um, also, like a lot of the AI tools currently just do one thing. Is there going to be a super tool that just does it all? Um, that's kind of a lot more sophisticated. So, so I think that's a very hot trend. So, you know, that's something, you know, I'm trying to learn myself, uh, trying to even talk about more on, on my LinkedIn and stuff, because um, I know a lot of people say that AI is not going to replace jobs, but I'm pretty sure that it will. It's just that it's not going to be a direct like one-to-one -one replacement. It's just going to be creating a lot more efficiencies where, you know, what you needed a team of 10 to accomplish, maybe now you can do it with a team of five because they're using these tools. Yeah. And, you know, like you, you took it out of my, <laughs> my next question was actually about AI and you answered, but just, um, do you think it's more about content creation for AI or is it like about strategies? Like where do you see it would be effective the most? So I think right now it's it's more about a lot of things in marketing that I would call busy work is is where AI is really good at. Now you can try it to do, you know, pure content creation or strategy, and it's starting to get better. I don't think it's fully there yet. But but what I mean is busy work is like a great example is a lot of you know companies have podcasts right, and they record the podcast interview. They then need to transcribe it. They need to turn it into clips. They're going to create a blog post out of it and just, you know, repurpose it into all these different formats. Well, there's two or three AI tools that can do all of that for you and do it to where it's like 90% done. And if you have a human, you know, quickly reviewing, you know, putting the final touches on it, you now, you know, if it used to take you four hours, you can now get it done with one hour of work, you, you know, plus the tools. So it's things like that that are just more busy work and, and repetitive that AI is getting pretty good at doing. Yeah, I agree with you actually, Andrew, on this point. Now, coming back a little bit to, to what you do, and you know, now as a consultant, um, I've 
Am I consulted also myself? And you know, there are some times that I, you know, I'd say no for me, or I'd say yes. Yeah, I, I would like to help these guys. And for me, it's from tech perspective, sales perspective. From you, it's marketing perspective. So, what are from stand startups perspective? You know, the things you look for to say, okay, I think these guys are worth it to to work with them, because, you know. Three dots. What are like three three dots? Like what make something appealing for you from marketing perspective to work with founders? Sure. So, so, so with the, with the founder, like I like to ensure that they at least have a basic understanding of of why you know marketing even matters uh, for growth. Because you know some founders even this day still think that, Hey, you know, you can just create this awesome product and the product will take off. And, and sometimes, you know, products do take off on their own, but, but that's very rare. Those are always kind of the exceptions. Um, so, so it's, to me, it's like the founder, like, does the founder even understand like why marketing matters? Cause I don't want to work with a client where I'm constantly having to convince them that I'm wasting my time and theirs. Right. Um, I also like to look at the category they're in. Like, are they in a category where there's a lot more potential for growth, uh, or is it a shrinking category? Because if it's a shrinking category, you know, from a marketing and sales perspective, I'm sure you can help, but you're kind of running uphill the whole time. Um, and, and then I like to think like, hey, is this, and that last one is more too, because, you know, I've done both, I've worked full-time and I've consulted. If I'm specifically considering like a full-time position, I like to think is like, does this founder or this company have a competitive advantage of some sort? And their competitive advantage could be as simple as, hey, this is a founder who's very charismatic. They're great on video. And whenever they speak, people listen. Um, to me, that that's a pretty, you know, interesting competitive advantage because I know, you know, if I can get a media opportunities, they'll get the brand out there. They'll create a lot of awareness and that'll generate business. Yeah, that's, uh, I would say, good uh, filtering part for me. Like, it's it will be also different, that, again, like if, you know, they are in the first place, I would say if they are not open, actually, for opinions, I would not work with them because these guys, they made their mind, so they don't need me, actually. This is the way I, uh, I take it. Um, now, you know, one of your notable achievements, actually, when I was preparing, like... Uh, you know, like you have uh, worked with a company and this day you made them reach a leader in the Gartner Magic Quadrant. Like, how was this experience like and, you know, how it did impact your approach to marketing? Sure. And so, yeah, so that company was Four Kites. And just to be fair, like it was definitely, a, you know, a team effort. Um, I was one of the first people they hired on their marketing team where they were we're building it. I was there for three and a half years. And by the time I left there, um, you know, it was the second year in a row that they were recognized as a leader in, in the Gardner Magic Quadrant. So one is they were creating a brand new category. So that was supply chain visibility, mm -hmm. uh, which is a kind of a new set of technology in supply chain management. Supply chain management is a bigger umbrella category. Uh, a lot of what went into it was, you know, Forkeyes did a great job of creating a lot of brand awareness. So, you know, first year was attending a lot of trade shows and getting in front of people uh, physically because they didn't even know that the solution existed or that this supply chain visibility was, was a thing. Um, you know, later on, it was a lot more, you know, getting media attention, media mentions. 
we were also so I work with a company you know called G2 Crowd. They started you know covering the category first before Gartner, which is also pretty common. So with G2, I also talked them into creating a brand new category, which is supply chain visibility, because they were trying to just stick four kites in just supply chain management, which is very broad, and got like a lot of a lot more mature players in there. Um, so by the time you know Gartner was thinking about creating a magic quadrant, four kites you know, already had such a head start as far as awareness. And it was just Forkites and another, you know, competitor of Forkites that were the two most well-known already. So, so it was kind of pretty easy to work with the analysts, you know, at that point to, you know, to get Forkites recognized as, as a leader. And the funny thing about that is once you're recognized as a leader by Gartner, like unless you do something like really wrong or really bad, you just stay as a leader. Uh, obviously, you have to work with them every year. There are surveys like a hundred different questions. It takes like several weeks to even fill out their survey. They interview customers of yours to verify that you're like legitimate. They look at your finances. I mean, the whole process, it's uh, it's very in depth. So it's not you know like the whole process is very serious. Uh, but but that's what's great about it too is you end up sort of you know being recognized as, as a leader usually for years to come. Yeah, that's great uh, achievement, actually. Yeah, and um, I didn't work directly, but from the companies I work with, because they were also, um, you know, they entered the, the quadrant down first, and then, you know, but I used to know what what happens behind the scenes. And yeah, it's a very tough job to get to, to the leader uh, quadrant, actually. Now, one thing, you know, I'm a little bit wondering about it. So, you, you know, you were a... VP of marketing and you yeah, you were a CMO and now you know you are a fractional CMO. Um, would you ever go back, Andrew? Like, you know, and why you choose to become a, a fractional CMO? Sure. So I was so the why is is because so the last company I was at, you know, unfortunately they had a lot of financial problems. They were expecting additional funding, the funding didn't come through. So they did like two rounds of layoffs and, you know, through that, you know, my role was eliminated. And then even after I left, which was last December, I heard there was more layoffs and, and another like 15, 20% left. So it's funny, even when I look at LinkedIn now, half of the people I'm connected to who used to work at that company are no longer there. So again, it was just one of those situations where the company had to do layoffs. Since then, I've, you know, spoken to other companies, um, you know, did interviews just haven't had a, anything work out. I would love to become, you know, a VP of marketing or a CMO at another company. Ideally, it's a growth uh, stage company. But as you know, like in the current market, you know, a lot of companies are just being very careful about, you know, who they hire. Um, a lot of categories too, like very few categories are even growing. Like AI software is a big one that's growing. Those are like companies that are actually getting funding and things like that. But besides that, a lot of companies in many ways are, are shrinking or at least trying to stabilize their revenue and stuff. So they're not, you know, losing money. So, so at this, so that's kind of what got me into doing consulting. Uh, the fractional CMO thing is kind of funny because everybody uses that phrase now, but I look at their job history and a lot of them never even led a marketing team before. Like they weren't even a VP. Some haven't even been a director and now they call themselves a fractional uh, CMO. So that's why too, like I like to say that I'm a business growth consultant because I'm just trying to get away you know, from just being bucketed to and, and kind of that big bucket of, of everybody calling themselves that. And, and I'm sure you run into that as well, if, if, if you know, with the fractional word. Yeah, the fractional word recently, there's nothing wrong with it, of course, definitely. And 
Um, actually, funny enough, when I started to my consultancy like five months ago, I call it CTO as a service. And everyone was saying, like, what is CTO as a service? And I start to see people calling fractional. And then I said, okay, the best approach to do it, I say, I'm a consultant, right? So, so just say you are a consultant. And people, if they, you know, nowadays and back to the point of building the brand, you know, and personal brand. So people, if they want to find someone today, they go to their LinkedIn profile, they would see where they have worked, what they have achieved. They would look, you know, they would do a, a search about them and they will find out who are these. So honestly, title for me is not like that big thing, right? So, uh, but of course, like fractional, I've talked to fractional CTOs. I'm talking now to you as a from marketing perspective. I think I'm talking to someone who's planning to do kind of sales as well, sales consultancies, which exist, honestly speaking, they exist for a longer time. Like it's not something, it's not a new concept. These things uh, going there. But do you think, like Andrew, you touched base on something important. And this is a theory that I have. And, you know, I like to share it with, with my guests. I think there's something broken out there uh, with, let's say startups who are in the growth stage, scale-ups, and people more and more, this is what I'm hearing, even the people, they don't share this publicly, but there is a fatigue from all this that happens. Like all, they are growing, you know, very fast. And all of a sudden you see them like going down and layoff starts. Do you think this will continue or are we going to, be, to have to see a correction in the market after some time where everything goes back or People will figure out, hey, like, see, like Andrew is working as a consultant. Mehmet is working as a consultant. Why we don't do it also as well? What do you think we are heading? I know it's a very generative question, but I like to hear your, your opinion on that. Yeah, no, it's definitely a, a great question. So I think the economic slowdown is testing the model of a lot of these startups in that you know, the economy was on upswing for several years. It was, again, easy to raise funding. A lot of the fund, you know, the funding didn't require you to have a great product or any kind of competitive advantage. Um, so, so if I'm being honest, like, I think a lot of these companies, unfor like, unfortunately, like if they have a bad business model, won't even necessarily make it. I think the economy will pick up, but nobody knows when and how fast it's going to pick up, right? So even now, it seems like, it's you know not shrinking as fast or at least it's stabilizing but may but if it even stays stable like this for another year or two well again a lot of these startups will run out of the funding that they raise they won't be able to raise anymore and then they'll you know go out of business um and i think you're right i think right now that creates a lot more opportunities for for fractional professionals or consultants where you know so when a company hires me for example i work with them one or two days per week they have a small, you know, more junior marketing team, but because I'm working with that team, even within a month or two of working with me, that team has been up leveled. You know, I help them create a lot of efficiencies because a lot of these things I've done it before. So they're getting the complete playbook from me and, and it's a lot more efficient. Right. So, so I don't think, you know, like right now, a lot of these companies can afford a full time, you know, head of marketing, uh, a full time, you know, CTO, but if they can work with a fractional, they get the best of both worlds. It's affordable uh, and they get access to deep uh, expertise. Yeah, yeah. And as you said, time will show us where we will be heading. Uh, I have still two questions. One, where people can find more about you, Andrew, and your services? 
Uh, so the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. So uh, I'm pretty active on there. Just send me a connection request and I regularly post on there uh, about different you know, marketing strategies and different work uh, I'm doing with uh, companies. I will make sure you, I will put your profile in the description of this episode. And I have a very famous last question. Is there anything you wished I asked or did I miss anything to ask you? And please, you can answer that. I mean, to be to be honest, no. I mean, I think I think you did did a great job. Uh, to, I liked how the discussion too, like there were thoughtful questions, but it was more casual uh, conversation. So no, not, not nothing else to add. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much, Andrew, for being with us today. And as I said, I will be putting uh, Andrew's LinkedIn profile so you can connect with him. You can ask him anything related to marketing, especially as you know, we focus in the show on startups and small medium businesses, which I like to help, honestly. So you can reach to Andrew if you have any uh, question. And as usual, if you have any question or feedback about the episode or the show in general, I would love to hear it. You can find me on LinkedIn also as well, where I'm very active, Twitter, and you can send me an email also as well directly. Um, if you would like to be a guest, same as Andrew was today, a guest, reach out to me on the same mediums, LinkedIn, mainly LinkedIn, or email where we can discuss it, we can set up a time and do the recording. And thank you very much for tuning in and we'll see you in next episode. Thank you very much, bye-bye. Hit that subscribe button, share the show with your tech-savvy friends and fellow entrepreneurs, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Your support means the world to us.